Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week on Discover North Korea. I am Zoe, and today it is just me on the podcast. The past few episodes we have had had we have had guests on the show. Apparently, I'm a little bit out of practice, um, and uh, that's been really great. It's been really fun. Um, such amazing people, actually. I've spoken to three different people in the last three episodes. Uh, episode 10 had Greg. He's very good friends of mine. Um, he is another tour guide uh, with me at Choreo Tours, very knowledgeable about a lot of things. Um, I'll definitely be having him back. And then um, I spoke to Stanley um, in episode 11. You can check that one out. Um, and then uh, episode 12, one of my favorite episodes so far, definitely was with my friend Shang Yu. And um, we chatted about some some very interesting things. So um, do head back and, uh, and give those a go if you haven't listened yet. But otherwise, uh, it's just me today. And we are going to chat about basically all the things that you guys want to know. I'm super excited to record this episode actually because it's kind of nice, you know, it's really nice having guests on um, and obviously it's a lot nicer sometimes than me just blabbering along but also it's nice for me to just kind of sit down, um, relax a little bit and just do this in my own time, say the things that I want to say and not have the pressure of other people. Of course, I love having guests on and if you do have any guest recommendations, let me know but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to having a little bit more of a, a chilled time. Uh, for this week. And you know what? It, it feels like it's been so long that this podcast has been going on, but it's only 13 episodes in. Uh, it's just come such a long way since since I first started um, at the start of this year. I feel like it's come so so far. Um, it's, it's really amazing, actually. Um, I had a look, um, I was having a look at some statistics the other day, and, um, you know, it's it's recently hit over like 4,000 downloads um, on just Acast alone, that's where I host it. Um, but on I also put it on YouTube where it's got hundreds of more views and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy. The craziest thing is, is um, that I, I checked it out and I have literally people from over 60 countries that listen to this podcast. That's a lot of countries. You know, I haven't even been to that many countries and I have people listening. So, you know, a big shout out to wherever you are in the world, whether it's Taiwan, whether it's the US, whether it's the UK, Ireland, anywhere in Europe or anywhere and Brazil, there are so many countries that like I wouldn't even have thought of, uh, even countries I'd never heard of, to be honest, in this list. So big shout out to everyone. Um, 
It's it's really great having you here, and it's it's bizarre as well because obviously I'm from the UK, um, but actually my biggest my biggest audience is is the US. Uh, so I'm sorry if I make a lot of um, I don't know nuances that maybe only British people would understand, or you know I'm sorry for my awful British accent. Um, but I hope everyone uh, is enjoying, and uh, and please you know whatever country you're from, just get in touch. I love hearing from you guys, especially. Because it's it's just such an international community. I think it's I think it's incredible. You guys know that I'm a big traveler. I absolutely love traveling, and one of my favorite things about traveling, the reason why I started at first, is because I love meeting people. I love learning. I love meeting people. I love finding out about different cultures. Um, I believe that honestly, you can learn so much from one another, and by just staying in your own bubble at home you are just receiving that same information over and over again. So it's really great to just get out there. And so I feel like it's really nice to have this community. And, you know, if you're sitting at home listening to this and you haven't been anywhere in a while, then then why not, you know, get up and have a walk outside whilst you're listening to this. Um, go and, Go for a walk in a park, speak to a stranger, whatever. You never know, never know what might come of that. It's also a um, really exciting time for me at the moment, actually. Um, for those that don't know, I guess I'll um I'll kind of catch everyone up to date, but basically uh this weekend, so I'm recording this um actually I'm recording this on the day that it's coming out. So I'm recording this on Thursday um and it will be out later today. Um I'm not usually um this behind time, but hey, it's been busy. Um I am going to China this weekend. I'm going to China on Sunday. Uh I'm currently in Taiwan and um yeah, on uh, Sunday morning, I hopefully will be flying into Beijing. This is a massive thing for me because, for those that don't know, uh, let's rewind back to pre-COVID times, if you can see that far back now, um, over three years ago. In fact, it's the 30th of March right now, so uh, I think it was the 27th or the 28th of March 2020 when China closed their borders. Um, and that was closing their borders to anyone going in, basically. I happened to be stuck out of China at that time. Um, so if we rewind a little bit further back, uh, January 2020, and I apologize for those who know this story already. Um, it's a little bit long, but I'm going to do it very, very quick. January 2020, um, I came back from North Korea, came back from a tour, um, I think around the 17th, 16th, 17th. And then I stayed in Beijing for a few days before I went to South Korea on a language, uh, a language, um, uh, a language course, like a language. Yeah, I was in Seoul and studying the Korean language for a couple of weeks or so I thought. Um, it was when I arrived in Seoul that this word uh, COVID started being batted around a little bit more. And um, back then, you know, it was um, it was a China thing. And then it started to become a bigger thing in in Asia. So I decided, hey, I'm going to pack my bags and um, and fast forward to Fiji. I had actually planned a Fiji trip in March or May later that year, um, but I just I just put it forwards because North Korea closed their borders um, whilst I was in South Korea. So North Korea was the first country in the world to close because of COVID. We all thought it was a bit exaggerated back then. Well, never mind. Um, then, Ed, you know, pretty much every country then followed suit. North Korea was very early, though, back in January 2020. So, as you all know, I am a tour guide in North Korea. 
um, I then had not got much to do. So, you know, we kind of said, hey, why don't you take your holidays early whilst we have nothing to do? And I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So I went off to Fiji. I spent some time around the South Pacific before deciding to go back to China. I had five days until my flight to China, and so I decided, you know, what any sensible person would do. Why don't I just hop on a plane and go to a different island in the middle of nowhere um, for the weekend before taking a flight back to China? Uh, two very important things happened during this time. Um, you might be thinking, hey, what was I doing traveling in March 2020 whilst the rest of the world was... Yeah, well, that was happening. In the South Pacific, um, it's uh, this area is made up of islands that are really, really far away from each other. Tiny islands, tiny populations, very far away from each other. It's a great recipe when, um, when you have a pandemic going on. There was actually no COVID uh, in that area until late March. Um, indeed, <laughs> the first case of COVID happened when I was on a plane to Tonga, I literally got on a plane. I, I looked at the cheapest place to go um, over the weekend. I needed to get away from all the tourists in Fiji because everyone was talking about COVID. It was making me go a little bit crazy. Um, so I got on a plane to Tonga for the weekend. When I landed in Tonga, the taxi driver told me like, hey, did you come from Fiji? They have COVID there. And I'm like, no, they don't. Don't be silly. There's no, no COVID in Fiji. Anyway, long story short, um, the whole of the South Pacific shuts down um, that day, pretty much, because Fiji is like a big travel hub for all these places. So everyone shut down. Um, and I got locked into Tonga, um, which was very annoying uh, because I had a flight booked for the next week back to China. Um, suddenly, that didn't matter though, because a couple of weeks later, China locked itself down as well. So I was, uh, no, a couple of days later, sorry. So I was basically uh, locked into Tonga and locked out of China. Um, and then um, that actually lasted, funnily enough, for about two years. That's a different story though. Um, and I have spoken about that publicly. Um, there are a few articles out there if you wanted to have a look. Um, if you're interested, to be honest, I'm going to keep this very North Korea related. Um, so I probably won't do a podcast episode on this, um, on this story. But if you are interested, let me know if there's enough interest. I'll probably do it. Anyway, so that is why I'm super excited to get back to China because since then, I have been, I was stuck in Tonga for about a year and a half and then I went back to the UK for a year and now I'm in Taiwan and all this time, three years, over three years now, all this time I have never been able to get back into China. Um, finally, when I got to Taiwan in September in 2022, I got all of my stuff shipped over. Um, that was in stuck in China for about two and a half years and then I got it shipped over here and now I can finally go back. And for me, like... People and places, they mean a lot, you know, and even though I travel and I'm going here, there and everywhere, um, I do get very attached to places. I think when I allow myself to, you know, when I allow myself to just kind of settle down in a way. And Beijing, for me, it was it was a real home. Um, it was where I lived for almost three years. I had a load of stuff. I had my own apartment. I had a good friend group, a good job. I just, I was absolutely loving it. You know, I was in like a really, really good time of my life and then it was kind of snatched away from me. But, you know, we all have our own COVID stories and there have been people a lot worse than me, so I'm not complaining, but I'm just really excited to be able to get back to Beijing. Um, and I know it will be insanely different. It will be nothing like uh, before COVID times for various reasons. Um, 
and all my friends have gone. Uh, obviously, I, I still kind of, I still have the job, but, you know, North Korea tours are still not running, so that's different too. Um, and I think the atmosphere will be very different. Um, I've heard that, you know, obviously tensions have risen with China, um, and I've heard that it's a lot more strict in China, so let's see how it is. If anything, I'm just happy to kind of go back and kind of have some closure on my life that I used to have there so I can fully throw into my life in Taiwan um, because I am constantly thinking about, you know, the people and the places that I used to go in Beijing. I still think about those. So I'm happy, if anything, to go back and kind of say goodbye to it all. But also, for me, I'll never say... That's just me saying goodbye to my, you know, me living in Beijing for now. Um, it's not to say I'll never live there again or I'll never go back there again. I have all intentions to go back to the previous job of doing tours in North Korea. It's just right now I am set up in Taiwan, I'm doing a PhD and um, and yeah, I hope to carry on doing tours as soon as the borders open. Please do not ask me when the borders are going to open. Today is going to be a Q&A show and actually I already did a shout out on Instagram to ask for some of your questions um, but unfortunately I think the question on all of your lips, when uh, when is North Korea going to open for tourism is the one question that I really can't answer um, and that's because I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. So um, I hope, I hope, I can really hope that it's going to be next year. I don't think personally, this is just me personally and this is just me speculating, I don't think that it'll be open this year. I'm hoping that it will be open for next year. Um, but we've just got to see. China opened very suddenly. The reason that, um, you know, China, everyone heard that China opened, right? But actually it opened a few months ago, but not really. It opened to like Chinese people or businessmen and students and stuff like that. Um, I'll be going as a tourist. Um, and so I had to wait until it was the 15th of March this year that it opened for tourism. So I'll be one of the first tourists to go back there as well, um, since the pandemic. So <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm super nervous. Um, whether I'll be able to get in or not, you still need a PCR test, all of that. Um, and uh, COVID travel just makes me really nervous. So, and I just really want to go. So I'll be gutted. I'll be really disappointed if I can't get in. And I'm nervous about not being able to get back. I've waited three years for this. Um, I have so much planned when I'm there. I'm going to film so many videos. I'm really excited for what I'm going to do. Um, follow me on, um, I think I'm going to be posting on my um, North Korea Instagram. So that's at Zoe Discovers NK. Um, and I'll be doing like live updates and stuff where I am. I'm going to go to the North Korean border, hopefully, so I can show you guys all of that. Um, and just basically take you around um, and kind of try and keep it North Korea relevant. So um, there's going to be a lot of live stuff going on there and then I'll also make some videos um, after. I'm really excited for some of the videos. I've literally had them in my head for the past three years uh, wanting to make them so I'm super excited for that. So that's the China trip and um, and if you want to follow along follow on Instagram. Most of you um, listening will already know me on Instagram because um, like I said these questions that I will be answering today they are um mainly they were mainly sent in by Instagram um and which I asked for uh, a few days ago um and then the rest of them um have been sent in over the past few weeks via email on Instagram to be honest I did say that I would shout out your name but there were so many people that kind of said that they didn't want that that I've just decided to keep it like okay I'll just keep your names out of this um so sorry if you did want a shout out um Thank you for your question. I do appreciate it. You'll know which question it is, but I probably won't be mentioning names. 
Um, do always send questions in as well. I can't always answer them, but like I answer around like 95% of them in at least one way, shape or form. So I can't answer them all here, but um, I do try and reply to every single message that I get. And just super quickly, if you don't um, already follow me on Instagram, you can find me on at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. At Zoe Discovers is my more like international casual one. At Zoe Discovers NK is more North Korea themed. Um, you can also follow me on TikTok at Zoe Discovers and you can email zoediscovers at gmail.com for any guest recommendations or questions that you may have about the podcast or any of my social medias. You can find all of that information in the show notes for this episode. So now that housekeeping is done, let's get right in to the first question. What would you recommend to visit in North Korea that's mostly not part of the standard tourist tours? This is a great question to get right stuck into. Um, so <laughs> the thing is, uh, okay, there are two different ways I'm going to approach this. I really like wherever I go in the whole world. The thing that I love the most is doing really mundane, normal things like uh, going for a walk in a park, going to a coffee shop, uh, going to a bar, chilling out in restaurants, uh, people watching, that kind of stuff. So I really recommend doing as much of that as possible um, on some itineraries if there's time, if there's like extra time in the day, which that honestly isn't often, um, then you may be offered to be taken to a bar or a coffee shop. For some people, this is like the coolest thing. And for others, when they hear it, they're like, oh, we're just going to a bar or a coffee shop. When you get there, everyone has the same opinion. It's a very cool experience. Um, actually, not everyone, because to be honest... <laughs> A coffee shop in North Korea or a bar in North Korea is like anywhere else. Like, sometimes when you go, it's really busy. Sometimes when you go, there's no one there. Um, and obviously, these things both don't work for me because if we go to a coffee shop, we rock up and um, and there's too many people there. Actually, the coffee shops never really get too busy. Let's say a bar, though. The bars can get really, really busy. So if we rock up to a bar and um, there's so many people there that... Uh, you know, you don't even have a seat to sit on, then the tourists get annoyed with me and they're like, oh, you know, this is not very pleasant. There's too many people in here. Um, we don't have a seat to sit on. Um, people may also then think that, um, you know, the people have been planted there um, for the tourists. <laughs> like, how can so many, so many people be here? Um, if there's no one there, then obviously people think that it's like a fake bar that um, that North Koreans can't go to and that only tourists go to uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, I really can't win, but um, I can promise that they're very authentic experiences. North Koreans love to drink and um, the bars are just so much fun. Even if you don't drink alcohol, you can get like a soft drink there. You can get some snacks, traditional like North Korean snacks. Uh, they're just cool places to hang out. Um, and so, you know, maybe they're not like standard parts of um, itinerary or tourist tours, they kind of are um, in a lot of ways, but usually they're just kind of fillers. Either way, um, you know, if you're on a private tour or um, or if you're on a tour where you seem to have a bit more time, then why not ask your guide, hey, can we go to a local coffee shop, a local bar? It's usually pretty easy to sort out. To answer this question, I'm trying to think back to times when I've been in North Korea with no tourists and to see what I've asked to do. Um, I think one of the things that's really cool that you can try and ask to do um, is um, kaya uh, canoeing on the, uh, like kayaking on the Taedonggang. So that's the river that divides Pyongyang between east and west. Um, very cool experience, just very chill. Uh, we had some beers on the kayaks. Um, 
yeah, this is something very unique. I've got some photos of that on my Instagram if you want to go and check. Otherwise, I would maybe suggest that you try and do something different if you're going on a private tour. Um, try and do something different in terms of um, the hotel. So um, there are some standard hotels that are used by tourists and they're used because they're reliable or they have a lot of rooms so they're easy to book in. Um, they're convenient locations and stuff like that, but they are by no means um, the only hotels that you can stay in in Pyongyang. Actually, there's probably about uh, over 10, I think, that you can stay in in Pyongyang alone. Um, and so I would say, like, if you're booking, like, a private itinerary, um, why don't you just, you know, tell the, the person who's dealing with your tour um, to say, like, hey, I'd really like to stay in a hotel that's, like, a bit um, off the beaten track, like, you know, I don't want to stay in a standard hotel, can you please sort me out something different? I've stayed in some really cool hotels in my time, and, um, you know, if anything, it's it's quite a cool little claim that you've you know, stayed in some of these different hotels and maybe um, maybe you're the only foreigner there as well. So that could be quite interesting. Um, otherwise, uh, I would probably recommend... It's so hard to... Because the cool stuff is um, in, included in the standard tours. Um, if you are looking to spend more... If you have more time and more money to spend, I think that the area that's really underrated... Um, is probably the northeast. It's a very cool area, um, and also um, it's it's beautiful. Uh, there's actually so much you can do in the northeast. Uh, you can stay in a homestay in North Korea. You can go hiking in the mountains. You can go to Mount Pekdu. You can take internal flights. Um, that's probably it. Depends what you want to do because there's so much stuff that you can do that you wouldn't expect. So maybe think of your own niche think of the things that you would want to do like for example I like trains and train journeys so I would say like maybe try and go on a train journey throughout um you know the countryside to, from one city to another um or to, up to the northeast or up through Russia even um th there is so much you can do but uh, the northeast really left an impression on me just because it's so important historically and politically um this this kind of region in North Korea um and also it's it's very different from Pyongyang. You are in the North Korea countryside. It's it's raw. It's um you see it's it's got a lot more poverty. Um you know there's less hot water things like this just in in simple terms. Um, but it's beautiful. Very underrated. Uh, it's gorgeous. Just the most beautiful mountains. Um, and beautiful coastline. Um, again I've got some pictures on Instagram as well that um I can link to, but I'd probably recommend if you it, it takes a long time to get up there um or a lot of money because you basically have to get a flight up there um you can't get the train but it's very tricky so uh, or it would have to be a private tour which would then mean more money so yeah I think um I would recommend going to the northeast if you can do that otherwise just think about what you like and why not ask your tour operator can you do this in North Korea you might be surprised. <laughs> so, on to the next question. Question number two. Documentaries on North Korea to recommend. Actually, there was two people that asked me this question. Um, I may have ignored it. No, I probably wouldn't have ignored it. Basically, um, yeah, so two people asked me this, so I really wanted to answer it, but <laughs> this is actually one of the few times... Um, I, I did a little post about this on Instagram and this is one of the few times on Instagram that I have got so much backlash and so much like 
abuse on social media that I had to turn off the comments for a post um, that I put and it was to do bizarrely enough with the completely not political topic of documentaries in North Korea. Um, you know what, I'll get onto that in a minute uh, as to why that happened. Uh, firstly, I'm going to recommend some um, non-politically charged documentaries. So, um, firstly, I definitely recommend um, anything done by Choreo Tours and Choreo Studio. Obviously, I work for them, um, so I think they're amazing, but genuinely, they do a lot of cultural engagement in North Korea, um, and they have done over 30 years working in North Korea, and part of this, they've created documentaries. Um, three ones that I would recommend, um, and they're all available online to watch. You have to buy, like, you can know you can rent it for a couple of dollars. Um, the first one is Crossing the Line, really interesting documentary about an American who defected into North Korea. Very cool. Very, very interesting story. Um, next up, we have, um, what's it called? Uh, Comrade Kim Goes Flying, a very, very cool film, all about, to me, it's, you know, it's very, like, girl power. Uh, it's about this um, young minor who's a girl, um, and she wants to become an acrobat or a trapeze artist in Pyongyang, and it's about her, like, how she, how she manages, potentially, I don't want to give away the story, how she manages to at least try to do this, and, um, how she works her way up, and, uh, it's very cool, and, you know, there's really very little, um, propaganda to it, um, and stuff, it's just a, it's just a very nice story, and it was, it was co-produced, um, with, um, in North Korea, and I think with um, a Belgian company and um, and also Curry Studio as well. So very cool British company. The next one is A State of Mind, very interesting uh, documentary. That's more of the it's kind of like an observational documentary um, of uh, two young gymnasts who basically are training to be in the mass games, and those are the like big acrobatics mass game things that go on in North Korea. Um, other countries used to have them too. It's known as like the biggest human performance in the world. It's won the Guinness Book of World Records for them. Again, sorry for all the self-promo here, but I do have videos and pictures of it on in my Instagram if you want to have a browse. Um, it's an incredible thing and the training for it is is grueling and intense and you can go through this process with these two girls um, along in this documentary. Very interesting. And I think I said I was going to do three here, but there is a fourth one that's just an incredible tale that no one knows about and it's these things that really shock me that no one knows about in North Korea we we know people complain all the time we know nothing about North Korea you know it's a secret state why is it it's you know what there is so much out there about North Korea it's just that the same information is recycled all the time the only thing that the media report on is the nuclear weapons, um, weapons tests, human rights issues, stuff like this. There is so much else um, going on. If you do ever want to find out more about North Korea, you just have to look a little bit harder because you can't expect to be told it yourself. And one of the most amazing stories um, is uh, from the, this documentary, The Game of Their Lives. This story is an absolute must for the football fans, but in, in, all, in all honesty, it's like an absolute must for anyone. Um, it basically tells the story of, like, back in 1969, 1966, sorry, 1966, um, it's, there was the 8th World Cup um, held in England, and um, North Korea were part of this World Cup, and by some kind of crazy 
uh, playing, I guess, um, they ended up being the first ever Asian team to get into the quarterfinals. Um, absolutely incredible. So um, they were knocked out by Portugal in the end, um, so didn't make it make it up past the quarterfinals. But they knocked out Italy, which is is just crazy. Um, and you know, there were big rumors in South Korea, like ever since, like before this documentary was made, this documentary is about 20 years old now, um, but it's still very, very new, very relevant. Um, before this documentary was made, you know, th there were like so many rumors in South Korea that like, um, after these North Korean players, they lost um, to Portugal, then they were just sent to labor camps um, upon returning home from England and stuff like this, um, which is just not true at all. And um, Choreo Studio basically um, got to be the associate producers with this um, and they, they produced a film that basically followed their stories um, and met with these actual players um, who by now are, you know, kind of very old um, and it, it, it follows them and it takes them back to Middlesbrough, which I think it's Middlesbrough, it takes them back to the UK and to Middlesbrough where the World Cup was held. Um, just an incredible, incredible story, an incredible documentary, and I'm so gutted, to be honest, that I wasn't, like, I mean, I, I was only very young at this time, like, about 10 years old when this came out. I'm very uh, sad that I couldn't be a part of making of this film, but hopefully, um, I don't know, hopefully I'll, I'll be part of making of something in the future, let's see. Anyway, um, I'd definitely recommend that. And um, I think the reason, so the reason why um, my post on Instagram uh, got a lot of attention Funnily enough, on Instagram um, and on social media, the biggest abuse I get is from um, people telling me that I'm too pro-North Korea, um, that I'm, you know, just a, a puppet to the North Korean government, blah, 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 all of this, I'm a spy. Um, and it was actually um, from the other side that I got a lot of abuse this time because I recommended um, a documentary called The Mole. Um, and I'm going to say it here now as well. I'm not scared of you all out there. Um, but hear me out why I think this is cool. Um, it is... A little bit politically charged and I don't think that the North Koreans would be too happy me recommending this documentary however I find it crazy and interesting um not on a North Korea level you know but on a on a world level I remember seeing this documentary and my mind was blown because all of my problems seemed so small let me tell you a little bit basically what it's about so it's about a um a random man <laughs> really random. Uh, I think he's from Scandinavia or somewhere, uh, Northern Europe, maybe Norway or Finland or Sweden or something. Um, and he infiltrated the KFA. Now, the KFA are the Korean Friendship Association. They're a pro-North Korea organization, and I guess um, a few of them follow me on Instagram as well. He infiltrated them and basically got so high up to the highest levels in here that he, um, you know, by pretending to be um, this big businessman and stuff, and he wanted to do deals. I don't want to give it all away, but the stuff that goes on in this documentary, the stuff that is going on right now, all around the world, I'm not talking about North Korea, I'm not talking about anything to do with North Korea, but when you watch this documentary, you will see things that are going on in this world that will make you feel so small and so insignificant because there there is so much going on so much um dirty dealings and stuff like that that it it is beyond the scope of imagination and it is crazy and also terrifying at the same time because man some of the things that were going on in this documentary I'm like 
if if this got into the hands of like the wrong people, you know, the wrong people who would who would do evil with a lot of power, um, yeah, very interesting. You know, they, they like if, just to give an example, they um, basically are talking about buying um, an island. I think it's in Africa somewhere in an, in a country in Africa. They're talking about buying this random island and uprooting all of the people that live there so that they can build a factory on it and. Um, and like they have weapons catalogs and stuff. It's just, it's mental. It's really mental. Give it a watch um, if you can find it somewhere. I can't remember where it's on. Um, I think it's a two-part series. Very, very interesting. And you know, when I say that I'm recommending it, actually, I'm not going against anything in North Korea here. Genuinely, I just think it's really important that we all acknowledge that there are a lot of things going on. And in in the world, uh, much bigger than than we can ever imagine as as normal people, um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, see what you think of it if you watch it. Um, I won't go on uh, any more on that one, but do uh, do give a, do give the other four a go as well. I'll put all of these in the show notes. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So now for the next question, question number three. What kind of souvenirs do tourists usually buy? Anything popular or interesting? Um, so the kind of souvenirs, usually the popular ones are propaganda posters. You can get hand-painted propaganda posters for like, I think around 30 or 40 euros, um, or even as little as 20 euros. Honestly, incredible, really worth it because the, the skills that go into making them are amazing and that they are a piece of history. Postcards, they're very cheap, they're very popular. You can send them anywhere in the world apart from South Korea, from North Korea directly. So this is pretty cool. It might take a while, might take around three months, but it does definitely get there. My mum still has hers um, on our fridge from when I first went to North Korea back in, I think it was in 2016, 2017, sometime then. Um, other souvenirs include uh, things like alcohol, Maybe you want some North Korean soju, some North Korean cigarettes, some North Korean snacks, stuff like that. They are easy souvenirs. Um, you can get something much bigger as well. Like if you wanted to go to um, get an actual piece of, you know, really fancy art from the Mansaday Art Gallery or I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of some other souvenirs. Ginseng is a really popular souvenir. You can get ginseng in every shape and form, including ginseng chocolate and ginseng jelly. Would not recommend but you might want to get some as a souvenir. I remember when I first went, I bought tea as a souvenir and I still have that tea in my room in Liverpool and it is not good. It's mushroom tea and uh, I don't know why I thought mushroom tea would be good in the first place. Either way, it's um, it's not good and uh, wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I don't think North Korea is very famous for its tea, but I have a thing where I literally buy tea everywhere I go in the world. I've got some, currently got some on the go from Bhutan. So there we go. You can take a girl out of England, but uh, <laughs> can't take England out of the girl, I guess. So, um, a really interesting souvenir. So, okay, you know what? I'm going to talk about my favourite souvenir that I've ever got from North Korea. And um, unfortunately, it's currently at the bottom of the ocean. 
My favourite souvenir I ever got from North Korea was um, in December 2020, the foreign language bookshop, it's like a, a bookshop where you can obviously pick up books in foreign languages, um, started a new publication of a diary. Um, like just, just doing like a 2020 diary. Um, I, oh, sorry, this was December 2019 to 2020, yeah. So I did these 2020 diaries and I got one and I said like, hey, guides, all my friends there, you know, like my North Korean friends um, and colleagues, I said, would you mind like writing me like a, a cute little New Year's New Year's note in here or like writing, um, you know, Happy New Year or something in here? And like everyone spent so much time and put so much effort into writing such lovely things, like really, really nice things, really personal things and just incredible um, and I love that. I think it's the most unique thing that anyone could ever get from North Korea. Uh, really incredible. And, um, then unfortunately, uh, whilst I was in Tonga, if you remember from the start of this podcast, um, I was in Tonga when a, um, a cyclone came, Cyclone Harold, and it, it flooded the house that I was living in and it took all of my belongings with it including that diary and I spent like weeks and weeks and weeks after literally just snorkeling um, the sea in front of the house uh, trying to find this diary it was nowhere to be seen I found a lot more I found like uh, a lot of glass bottles a lot of I saw a stonefish uh, pretty exciting but uh, unfortunately no diary so never mind um, at least it's in my memories and another cool souvenir I would say is um from one of the tourists uh, we were walking in a park one time and there was a artist you know how like in any park around the world you might get like someone painting a picture um or someone like selling their art like kind of like street art and stuff like that there was basically a north korean doing that um and obviously kind of a bit under the hand but um one of the tourists walking past said hey like i want that and uh, after a little bit of bargaining um and some work from the guides uh they bought it um i think that's a really really unique piece because um obviously he wasn't really supposed to be selling it uh definitely not to a tourist and i think um it's just really nice to have such a unique piece from a random artist in north korea that you know you literally are not going to see anywhere else so that's pretty nice so question number four, which Korea makes the best soju? I love this question. You know who you are, who asked it. Um, uh, it depends what kind of soju you like. The North Koreans hate the South Korean soju um, because South Korean soju is full of flavor. You can have so many different flavors. If you don't know what soju is, it's like a rice wine drink. It's divine. It's so good. Um, especially like if you want to make like a soju cocktail, mix it with some lemonade, something like that. Um, it's a little bit stronger than sake. Um, which is the Japanese rice wine, but um, yeah, it's very good. Uh, in South Korea, you can get all different flavors. If you've ever been to a South Korean restaurant, they'll probably serve it there. I'd really recommend it. Um, South Koreans drink it either straight, like as a kind of shot, or you can have it in somek. So somek is a mixture of soju and mekju, and mekju is beer. So you have somek, and you basically just have soju inside the mekju. Uh, it's very good, very good. But the North Koreans do not like to do that. And, um, <laughs> and North Korean soju is a lot more... I don't know, let's say pure in its form. Um, you don't have basically what I imagine South Korean soju to be like 50 years ago. Um, or indeed, over 70 years ago when they were still one country, I suppose. Um, there's no fancy flavors. In South Korea, you might get grape or orange or apple and stuff like this. Grapefruit, blueberry, all of these flavors. Um, in North Korea, you definitely won't get any of those. You just get strong, stronger and strongest. <laughs> Um, the one, the most popular one is called Pyongyang, 
um, one of my friends in London, I don't know if he listens to this, but shout out to you, uh, you still have some Pyongyang um, uh, soju in your apartment in London. Uh, I'll be going to London in uh, in a few months, that's another announcement I have, I guess. Um, so <laughs> maybe we can have, maybe I can finally get my hands on some Pyongyang soju once again. So in answer to your question, which Korea makes the best soju, it definitely depends on your taste. If you like something a bit stronger, you would prefer the North Korean soju. I can tell you it's definitely cheaper. You can get liters of the stuff for pennies. In South Korea, um, it's a, a little bit more soju novice friendly, let's say. Um, question number five, I think we're on. Are you in North Korea now? Can you introduce yourself and how you came to be associated with North Korea at first? So I'm not going to do that right now because, but I do want to answer this to point you to where you can go for this answer because I do already have a whole entire podcast on this, um, how I got associated with North Korea. Basically, in short, um, I went there as a tourist myself and then I decided that I wanted to work there um, and show people the things that I saw, um, the things that aren't represented in the, in the media. Um, I'm not in North Korea now and I haven't been since January 2020 since the borders have been closed for uh, since COVID um, and they still haven't opened. So um, I'm not in North Korea now, I'm in Taiwan. But you can go to episode two of this podcast. I talk for an hour about my story and how the, all of this happened. So uh, do head there. Um, question number six, um, when was the first time you ever heard a North Korean laugh? When was the first time you ever heard a North Korean smile? So for me, this question is really tricky to answer. And like, for me, it just really shows um, how much we dehumanize North Koreans because, um, or like how much we kind of alienate them from the rest of society and alienate them from the fact that they are just like you and me, because um, to even think of this question to even want to ask this question is so random to me because um that's the same as asking me like oh when was the first time that you heard a German person laugh when was the first person that you saw a German person smile you know oh you've just come to Taiwan when was the first time you saw a Taiwanese person smile um it's I would have the same answer like I have no idea I have no idea the first time that I saw a North Korean smile or no idea the first time I heard a North Korean laugh because like it's a normal thing that people do all the time and um that's definitely not um no exception for the North Koreans they are people too that um, laugh and smile and cry and joke and you know all of these things it's they they are just like you and me um, and so I have no answer to your question for this but I do want to make that kind of clear and highlight that um, when you speak to North Koreans when you see them just treat them like a normal person because that's what they are and that's how they'd like to be treated. Um, okay, I think we're on to question number seven, but I might stop with the numbers now because I can't really remember. Um, <laughs> is it possible to obtain a sticker visa at the embassy in Mexico City? Has it ever been done before? Really good question. So as far as I am aware, um, with any, if, if any country, uh, any area has a North Korean embassy, then you can technically get a North Korean visa from that embassy. Now, so this is, I'm going to go through this super quickly. This is how the visa process usually works. So you apply to a tour company, like a Western tour company, to do a tour. You tell them which tour you want to do, uh, you pay your money, and then they do all of the visa application process for you. It's it's like, it's actually super easy. You just basically fill in some information, um, give a photo. You don't need to give your passport, anything like that. Super easy. Um, so you... Um, 
yeah, you just give over your information and then they sort out everything for you and then you get your North Korean visa like the day before you're going to travel. It's uh, on a blue slip that's not inside your passport. Again, sorry for the self-promo, but I do have a picture on my Instagram. Um, you can go and see that there. But yeah, it's just like on a on a separate slip. Um, and actually, you don't get to keep this slip. So you need this slip on entry and on exit. And on exit, they keep it. Uh, you cannot keep it. So some people, it's funny because some people really want the visa stamp and some people really don't want the visa stamp. And I actually have um, a podcast lined up to talk about this visa stamp and how you get it and how how you can avoid it and stuff like that. So that's going to be coming up in the future. But just to go over it super quickly, um, one way to get the stamp in your visa, uh, sorry, one way to get the visa in your passport and therefore get a stamp is basically by visiting, if your country has a North Korean embassy, which until COVID, I think about between 20 and 30 countries did, the UK being one of them, I actually visited the UK North Korean embassy um, back in, I think, uh, late 2021, maybe um, early 2022, um, actually visited the North Korean embassy and I ran into some North Koreans. It was a very bizarre experience, um, especially when they recognized me and they said, we know you, we watch your YouTube channel. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so anyway, that was an interesting one. Um, but yes, you can. So if, if, any, if any country has a North Korean embassy um, in their country, then yeah, you can just go to that embassy. Um, you still need to book through a through a foreign tour company, but then you will have to um, say that you want to get it in an embassy, and then you go to that embassy. The embassy know that you're coming. They'll give you the visa, um, and then you've got it in your passport. So I don't see why Mexico City would be an exception there. If there is an embassy in Mexico City, I don't know if there is one there. To be honest. Um, so, what do North Korean people do in their free time is the next question. To be honest, um, North Korean people do not have that much free time. Um, they work very hard um, five days of the week, if not six days of the week. Um, and then also they have like revolutionary studies and stuff like that that they do in any free time. But that's not to say that they have absolutely zero free time. They also do have, um, they have holidays, they have time off. Um, when we visit uh, on national holidays, for example, you can see what North Koreans love to do in their free time, which is like go out dancing, go out in the park, drinking, singing karaoke, having picnics. It's one of my favorite times to be in North Korea. So that's like holidays. And then some people, if they have like an extended holiday, then they might want to go um, to a trip somewhere in North Korea, maybe like Nampo or Rasan, uh, sorry, not Rasan, Nampo or Wonsan. Wonsan's uh, like a two or three hour drive away from Pyongyang. Um, so kind of accessible from Pyongyang. Um, or maybe they go further afield as well. Um, in smaller kind of free time, like maybe in the evenings after work or, I don't know, weekends if they have any free time, then to be honest, they just do the same things that we do, that most knackered people do after they've um, spent, you know, the week working. What do you do? <laughs> you just want to chill out, sit on your phone, play games. Um, they have, you know, smartphones now, so they have like things like Candy Crush. It's not the exact same app, but they have things like it. Uh, maybe they'll want to watch a drama, watch some TV, hang out with friends, go for a walk nearby. Um, I don't know. Sometimes they play. They play. Um, they play sport. They love to play sport. And um, that's another question in a minute. Um, so they might do that with their friends. 
just to be honest like and also you know there's bowling alleys there's cinema there's oh the cinema was so popular when I was there during the the um film festival so I know that they love going to the cinema I literally had to like scramble through the door like it was like a push um to get tickets um to go um one during the international Pyongyang International Film Festival um there's a lot of stuff that they do in their free time, to be honest, uh, especially in Pyongyang. You know, you've got spas and there's, there's a lot going on. Um, yeah. Next question. Were you scared the first time you visited versus now? Uh, yeah, probably, to be honest. It was a long time ago now. Um, and I think I wasn't scared as much as apprehensive. And to be honest, just like me with China right now, like I was scared that I I'm always scared to be disappointed. So I was scared that I wouldn't be able to get in, you know, like in my whole time, in my head the whole time, I was like, you know, until I cross that border, then, you know, I am not going to be excited about the fact that I'm going to North Korea, the fact that I'm in North Korea, because, um, you know, I get like that, like, I just, I don't like being disappointed. And so I will always go in with the mindset of the worst is going to happen. Um, and so when the worst doesn't happen and the best happens, then I'm very, very happy. Um, and that's why I'm worried about with China at the moment. I'm kind of worried that, I'm not going to be able to go in for one one reason or another, but um, let's hope that that doesn't happen. And um, and yeah, so with uh, with North Korea, I don't think that I was scared um, so much. But since your question was, were you scared the first time versus now? I would probably say yes. Uh, if I look back, um, I was probably more scared the first time, just because you don't know what's going on, right? You have no idea. Um, now I feel a lot more confident. So whilst I wasn't really scared before, I definitely feel a lot more confident now. I definitely am more aware of, you know, the rules that you have to follow. Um, and I'm more aware of the things that you can push and the things that you really can't push and the things that you really shouldn't push and um, how to interact with the North Koreans. I'm, I'm more aware of these things. So um, I feel more confident, definitely going in now. Okay, the next question. Um, North Korean beer, what's it like? <laughs> If you've ever spent any time in China drinking Chinese beer, as soon as you cross that border into North Korea, you will be so happy. <laughs> um, same goes if you've just come from South Korea and you cross over into North Korea, you'll be very happy to be drinking North Korean beer. It's so good, genuinely. Um, funny story, Taedong, so um, the Taedong Brewery, um, I think it's this brewery, yeah, it's actually originally a British brewery that was dismantled in the UK so you know it's going to be a good brewery right British beer um it was dismantled and then shipped over to North Korea um and now that's like the most popular beer um originally a British brewery um still brewing beer in North Korea and um, they have various beers actually there are various um breweries and if you are a big beer nerd you can go on like a beer tour you can go on a brewery tour and visit several of the breweries the most famous one is Gang, and that is the beer that you will probably be greeted with even just on the train as you arrive into North Korea um it comes in a big green bottle and um, the one that you get that is most common is Gang number two. Um, now there are Gangs through one to eight. I'm sure I've probably med mentioned this on the podcast before, but basically the numbers show the different proportions of um, wheat to barley and stuff like that. My favorite is actually Gang number five, which is controversial because it's actually a 100% rice beer, which some people don't include into the beer category. Anyway, it's very good. It's very light, um, good for a summer's day or when you are indeed supposed to be working. 
Um, so I like number five, uh, but it's very good. It's um, not just in comparison to South Korean and Chinese beer, which is rubbish. And I think, to be honest, most people in China and South Korea admit that their beer is not so great. So I, I don't mean to offend. It's just there is better beer in life. I'm British and I can very much deal with the fact that all British food is awful. So, you know, I can say that <laughs> and then say that, you know, South Korean beer is not that great. <laughs> Um, definitely try it. You you can't really get it outside of North Korea unless you, I don't know, maybe some places in China sell it, especially around the border areas. So, the next question. The most proficient sport in the DPRK. So, two come to mind um, for this question. Uh, the first one would be volleyball, um, and the second one would be probably table tennis. Um, now, there are lots of other sports, but these are the two that really stick out to me. There's also taekwondo and stuff like that, and you can visit the taekwondo um, uh, kind of practice area and stuff like that in North Korea. There's a, actually an entire sports street in North Korea, um, all with different halls and places to practice, and also a hotel that you can stay in down there. Um, it's it's an entire street full of, of different sports and stuff like that. It's quite astonishing. Um, there's a shooting range and, and stuff like that. Very cool. Um, they also really like football, but yeah, um, volleyball. I know that the guides really like volleyball. It's really cute. Like um, In the company that we work with in North Korea, they, it's a massive company, and um, and they have like inter um, inter department uh, volleyball um, volleyball games and stuff where like the English speaking guys challenge the Chinese speaking guides and stuff like that. Um, it's really fun and like that's like an annual thing that they do. Um, so they they all get really competitive and you know they make sure we know who won. Uh, it's very very fun to follow. Um, and often they get like a one hour or two hour lunch break. So in that um, you know you'll see them playing volleyball and there are volleyball courts up. Um, in the various parks and stuff. Um, you can actually play volleyball with the North, North Koreans. Like, we've done that a few times. Um, you know, you set up games with them. Um, it's pretty fun. I think we've done that over May Day a couple of times. Good weather, and it's just really nice to kind of relax with the North Koreans and, and yeah, play a game, even if you can't play at all, in my case. <laughs> and table tennis, of course. Um, there's also um, a few places that you can visit schools and stuff and play table tennis with, with the younger kids. Um, they are, man, they are incredible. Really, really good. So, mm, just taking a sip of tea, sorry. Um, internet in North Korea is the next, que next question. It basically just says internet in North Korea. I presume you want to know about the internet in North Korea. I think, did I do an episode already or am I planning one? I did one, right? Yes, I did one. Uh, it is episode eight and uh, it's entitled internet in North Korea. Um, so North Korea does not have internet. It has an intranet um, to answer your question. And uh, that is like an internal internet system. There are, however, ways that foreigners can access the internet in North Korea. And also some North Korean elites will also be accessing the internet, our www dot. Um, because obviously there are some North Koreans with Twitter. For example, um, the leader <laughs> has Twitter. So one can presume that there is some internet access in North Korea to at least the very elites. Um, if you do want to find out more about that, you can head over to episode 8, though, where I have tackled that issue. The very last one, okay, I do have a couple more questions, but I am going to answer just one more. Um, what other unexpected outings are possible for visitors to the country? Specifically, opportunities to have more casual interactions rather than strictly guided tours, e.g. the homestay. 
So I think this is from a person who obviously saw that it's possible to do a homestay in North Korea and was really shocked by it and is looking for something similar and similarly shocking um, that you can do that you didn't think that you could do. Um, it's really hard for me to pinpoint these things because often I kind of take them for granted like yeah of course you can go to a bar in North Korea and then sometimes I say that to people and they're like what North Korea has alcohol and I'm like yeah like they love alcohol they drink probably a lot more than your country does um so some of the things I do kind of take them for granted um you can visit some North Korean houses um but they're kind of more like model houses um for example like on a farm and stuff like that but it's still cool to see inside like what a North Korean house looks like um and they're very legit like people do actually live there but of course they will be like model citizens and stuff so you know there, there's a fine line between like what's real and what's fake you know you can say that it's like fake and set up for tourists because technically like it is you know it's a house that tourists can visit and tourists can go inside um but at the same time there is someone still legit living there and it is still their actual house and, you know, that's this is very much real. So um, I think that's, you've got to, yeah, you've got to weigh up the, the real and fakeness of that. Um, and the same goes for the homestay as well. It's, it's, it's kind of like a homestay resort. Um, it's very much a homestay where you stay with real North Koreans and they actually live there. And it's an incredible experience. You know, you literally go to sleep with them in the house not literally with them, you know what I mean, you go to sleep in your own room that they provide for you, um, and you wake up in their house and they make breakfast for you, or you can help out and make breakfast, you can help with some chores in the morning, um, you know, you can kind of do whatever, you can walk around the whole complex, um, it's not like a complex that's like closed off, you can like, you know, it's just got a road next to it, and actually it's got the sea right next to it as well, it's, it's, it's an incredible area, and it's in a really poor area as well, so, you know, it's not as if they've built up this entire incredible complex just for tourists, like it is in a, in a very, yeah, rundown place, um, but it's, and it's an incredible experience, um, but at the same time, you know, it is a place set up for tourists, so, you know, you've got to balance that, um, in terms of other things that are similar to this, I think, I think probably me just answering these questions in the podcast, like things with coffee shops and stuff like that, um, or going to the fact that you can play volleyball with them. Um, when you, I always recommend, I think mo most of these experiences are nicest when they are, um, spontaneous so for example when you go there on a national holiday and you're just walking around the park and like some people invite you over for a drink or some snacks or to join in karaoke with them I've also been to a beach where um that's happened as well like people have literally like some guy literally started talking in French to me um a North Korean a random North Korean guy started talking in French to me and was like come and sit over with us and have some have some beer have some soju and stuff like that and I was like what is happening um you know and it's the same time where I've seen like the most beautiful interactions of like people burying each other in the sand and just thinking oh this is just so human and then you also have different interactions like I don't know like on the train um even when you go into North Korea um the the North Koreans will invite you or maybe you're sitting in the same area as them and they invite you to play cards with them or like again have a drink or have some food with them and it's just really nice even if you don't share the language um you can still share some like I don't know, share some pictures of your hometown, stuff like that. Um, so those are the, the best kind of interactions. I've also had um, had some nice interactions where like some North Korean has brought me over some like barbecue meat and stuff and started saying like how grateful he is that I came and visited his country. Uh, there's, 
there's so many things um, that you are just better when they're not set up. Um, and so whilst I think the homestay is really great, um, you will be surprised how many casual interactions that you might be able to come across. But if it's casual interactions that you want, going to North Korea for two or three days will not be enough. You know, you need to spend like two or three weeks there in order to maybe get one or two casual interactions. Because the point is, is if it's a casual interaction, it cannot be set up, right? And I think that that's something that people really struggle with because they might complain that they weren't able to speak to any of the North Koreans. And I'm like, okay, well, if you want to speak to a North Korean, like, let's go and organize a school trip where we can go and sit down with the students and talk to the students. And you can have like, we do those, you know, you can have like 20 minutes, half an hour interacting with the English students and the English students get to practice their English and you get to talk with them. And it's really nice and casual, but it's set up. And so people will then say like, oh, but you know, that's set up for tourists. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but you wanted to have like an interaction with the North Koreans and it's so hard to like set that up because like if you go to any country how do you speak with the foreigners there you know like if you go to a new country um, and you don't speak the language maybe it's at like a coffee shop or it's at or it's on the train it's all the things that I'm saying right so if you want these casual interactions a lot of the time um, there is the opportunity for it but you have to find it yourself um, if I'm going to set that up for you then it kind of takes it away a little bit. So you would be surprised um, <coughs> how how possible it is to have an, a casual interaction in North Korea. But, you know, to be honest, the main thing is, number one, the North Koreans might not want to speak to you. They're shy people, um, especially in more countryside areas. Um, they might be wondering why on earth this random foreigner wants to speak to them. They might be worried that you're a spy. Um, they might be nervous to talk to you. And <laughs> mainly, do you speak Korean? You know? most North Koreans do not speak English um, and so if you're looking for casual interactions then that is the first hurdle that you're going to have to get over um, but uh, otherwise yeah you can look at more like guided things for example the homestay um, or uh, going and visiting a school going and visiting um, you know certain museums or certain factories where you can like the, I don't know, I'm thinking about like the embroidery museum or the embroidery, whatever it's called, and you can go there and speak to the people. Again, language is a barrier, but yeah, you can have interactions as well without speaking, um, but it just takes time. Uh, you can't just go in there and expect to be able to just have tons of interactions uh, with North Koreans, unfortunately, um, because I think that's the same for any country, but even more so North Korea, uh, a country that's very... Um, cautious with foreigners um and also with the guides I just want to say I will end this in a minute but I just want to say end on this note that the guides are North Koreans too and they are normal people too the guides are not government minders and there is very little that gets on my nerves more than when people refer to the guides as government minders because they are trained tour guides they go to university to study like things like languages or things like um tourism they go to the tourism university to study this they then go through rigorous training they are so incredibly smart um they know so much about their country so much about the dates and things and stuff like that is is incredible and they study all the time like on the job you know that's why i say like if they're not guiding a tour they're still working they're still going to the office still learning new things um they're incredibly smart people and but they're, they're still north koreans you know the best interactions and the most the biggest things you can learn about North Korea are in the evening um, 
after touring the country in the evening, invite your guides to a drink, invite them to have some snacks, whatever, and just chat to them. Not about anything intense, but just like have a normal chat about their lives. You know, maybe ask them about their their family, if they have any kids, uh, where they went to university. Just get to know them and uh, you will learn a lot more about the country that way. So that was pretty much all of your questions. Thank you so much for listening to this one. Um, I will probably do another question and answer session uh, in the next few months. Um, and I do save your emails. So uh, send me an email over at zoediscovers at gmail.com um, for, uh, for any of your questions that you may have to do with North Korea, to do with me. Um, I will get back to you on them. If you have any question that you want me to answer like more immediately, um, you can DM me on Instagram at ZoeDiscoversNK or at ZoeDiscovers. You can also find me on TikTok um, where I don't answer any of my comments because it's a terrifying platform uh, in terms of like uh, abuse and stuff like that, online abuse. So I don't answer any of my comments, but I still post some fun videos up there. Uh, lots of you over and on TikTok. So I don't forget about you. Don't worry. Um, where else can you find me? That's pretty much it. I do put these podcasts on YouTube now, so if you prefer to listen to them on YouTube, go ahead and do that. Um, I'm going to start when I have guests. I'm going to start doing um, actual video recordings, um, so do watch out for those as well. Um, the next few guests that I have, I will try and do it like a live video recording, so you have the audio and visual. And I think that's about it today. Remember to follow me and my journey to China on Instagram if you're interested in that. I'm going to take you to a few interesting places next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And um, and enjoy the rest of your week until we meet next time, next Thursday. Thank you very much. And I have been Zoe from Discovers North Korea. See you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.